Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. So as we have sung here today, and as we have worshipped you, God, let it be. We are in agreement with what you want in this place. We are in agreement with who you are in this place. We are in agreement with what you want to do in this place and in those places and in our families and our homes and in our lives. It's just the submission that we choose even now to walk in. It's not bondage. It's not slavery that we enter into with this relationship with you, God. It's, it's a privilege. It's a privilege. And it's freedom. So God, as we open your word this morning and, and just look for a few minutes at what freedom looks like and and what limitless fruit looks like. God, I just pray that you would speak through all of us that lives would be changed. That we would be different even in the chaos of the world that we are currently in, that we would shine the light of Jesus and that we would look like him. That when people see us, they would see hope, that they would see light, and that they would see the face of the one who can save them looking back at them. God, we ask all these things, all these things in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Somebody lift up a voice. God, you are our protector. You are our keeper. You are our healer. You are our provider. And Father, we give ourselves to you today in Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name. Well, this freedom, brothers and sisters, that we are privileged to be operating in, that we enjoy when we worship and when we sing. This freedom is exactly what we were singing about. It's a blessing, a blessing that comes from God himself, a blessing that comes from the very throne of grace. And Paul talks about that freedom and he talks about that limitless power in the book of Galatians, in chapter 5, if you have a Bible, and I've got mine right here, turn it to chapter 5, or turn on your Bibles, be there in your home, turn that on. I want you to see, I want us to see, I want us to experience a new and a fresh, a very familiar passage, a very familiar verse that sometimes we've overlooked. You see, His Holy Spirit, it's His Holy Spirit that's limitless in power. James and, and John and Paul and all of the apostles experienced that on the day of Pentecost. And, and it was something that was afresh and anew that they hadn't experienced before. And 
Peter and John, as they approached the temple days later, saw a blind, uh, a beggar, a, a, a lame man sitting beside the temple gates who had been brought there every day to beg. And everyone overlooked him. But this new limitless Holy Spirit power that was inside of them couldn't overlook. Do you hear that? It couldn't overlook the fact that this man was in need. It had to do something. And so they looked at this man where everyone else tried to avoid eye contact. They, they looked at this man. And of course, he wanted money. But Peter said, silver and gold have I not. But what I have, I will give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And that man walked. That man was able to be on those legs that had been lame for so time. And so when he was questioned, when Peter was questioned by the authorities at trial, how did you heal this man? By, by what power is this man healed and can now walk? Peter said, it's not anything to do with me. This didn't have anything to do with me. I, I couldn't do it. It's the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ himself that healed that man. It's limitless it's a limitless power. We put things in boxes. We measure things by numbers and by quantities. God's power can't be limited by that. It's not a quantity. It's not in a box. It can't be measured linearly. It has no limit. It is a superpower. It's limitless in its ability. It's limitless in its grace. And it's limitless in its mercy. It's limitless also in its fruit. And as we see Paul writes to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 5, he, he was writing to a church that didn't understand the limitless power of who God was. They believed. Let me make that clear. He was talking to Christians. He was talking to believers. They believed who Jesus was. They accepted who Jesus was. But they did not understand the limitless power that was available to them. I wonder how many of us today believe in Jesus and we accept who he is, but we don't understand and haven't accepted the limitless power of the Holy Spirit that he is making available, not just to the apostles on the day of Pentecost, but to you and to me. We don't have to live without this power. It's available to us. You see, the folks that Paul was talking to in Galatians chapter 5 had decided and had heard people in the background and they were talking about the fact that they may want to go back. How many of you want to go back? No, sir. Just like the children of Israel who got into the wilderness and struggled a little bit and what did they say? Oh, I think I want to go back to Egypt. These people here in Galatia had heard that they may want to take on some of the characteristics of the old religion, that they might need to be circumcised in order to make it to heaven. And so they were starting to process the fact that they might want to go back. Well, I'm here to tell you today that there is no going back. I don't want to go back to Egypt. I don't want to go back to religion. I don't want to go back to the old way because the power of the Holy Spirit is limitless. And so these people were thinking, maybe we're going to return. Maybe we need to return. That's what they were being told. I need to return to the old way. Maybe I need to go and I need to do this. And Paul is almost screaming at the top of his voice. I don't know how you read this passage in Galatians, but I, I hear Paul expressing himself with a loud and a passionate voice saying, don't go back. You don't have to go 
back. The old ways are gone. Jesus has taken care of them. These folks were looking in the rearview mirror. You can't drive your car always looking in the rearview mirror. You may need to check it once in a while. Amen? But don't stare into the rearview mirror because we're going this way. We're going forward. And that's what Paul was trying to tell these people. They were thinking, get this, they were thinking about being normal. They were thinking maybe the old normal religious ritualistic way I need to add to my new experience in Christ and then maybe I'll make it. Maybe that's where I'll be. They were looking in the rearview mirror thinking maybe that old normal is where I need to be. Listen to me. There is no old normal that is good for us today. Even as the church in this pandemic environment that we are now coming out of, thank the Lord, their old normal is gone. You say, well, I want to get back to my life. I want to get back to normal. We want things to be the way they were. Not me, brothers and sisters. Oh, I want to have church. I want everyone to be able to be here with us. I want to worship together. I want to pack this house and other houses of prayer and worship where people can find God. But I by no means want the old normal. I want the Holy Spirit fire. I want the passion. I want to know who Jesus is more than I ever have before. If there's any benefit, if there's any silver lining to our stay-at-home orders and all of the restrictions that have been in place, it's that I have buried myself by the hour in this book. And this book is telling me the old things have passed away. Let me hear it. And all things have become what? new so don't be looking for the old it's gone and Paul was telling these men here in Galatians don't look for the old new you need to forget about that and so let me read it to you just a little bit today in Galatians chapter 5 it says in verse 1 so Christ has truly set us free that's the freedom we just worshiped in is anybody happy about the freedom in Christ that we have available to us don't just say amen because you're sitting here and I'm asking you to. I want you to, again, agree. If you agree that the freedom in Christ is for you, say amen. And we could stop right there. We could stop with verse 1 of chapter 5 and we could be happy for just a little while. And we could just say we had church because that's enough right there that Christ has truly set us free. But verse 2 says, now make sure that you stay free. You got to stay free. That's going to take some action. You can't sit back on your haunches. You can't sit back on your laurels. You can't let that stuff settle to the bottom of a bottle. There's got to be something happening to where you stay free. You're not going to stay free. If you put something in the refrigerator, it's going to get nasty and stale, isn't it? It might have been fresh when you put it in that Tupperware container, but you leave it in there for a couple of weeks and you go back and think, yeah, I think I might have that. No, sir. That's a science project at this point. It didn't stay free. It didn't stay fresh. Paul says, now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again. Say again. Paul said, don't get tied up again. He was talking to people who had made this mistake before. Do you get that? He was talking to people who had made this mistake before. He said, you got to get free. You got to Stay free and don't let yourself get tied up again. You see, that's slavery to the law. 
is what he was trying to keep them out of. And don't you see that the devil would have all of us get tied up? That's one of his master plans. That's right at the top of the toolbox when the devil opens his toolboxes. He says, oh, I can understand the fact that you understand who Jesus is. I'm good with that. I can even understand the fact that you believe what you're reading in the Bible and what you feel and what you see happening in people's lives. I'm good with that. But if I can keep you tied up, if I can keep you busy, if I can keep you worried and distracted about viruses and situations and finances, if I can keep you tied up, you'll never experience the power of the Christian walk. You'll never live life to its potential. And that's what he was trying to tell them is, you have got to get free, say get free, and stay free. Absolutely. And never get tied up again. Verse 4, for if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, what does that mean? Following rules. Keeping the law. That's what he was telling them. That's what he's telling us today. If you're trying to get right with God by works, brother, you can cross that off the list because that's not going to work. And God knew it wasn't going to work. That's why he sent Jesus because there's nothing that we could do in any quantity in any frequency, in any size, that would save our souls. Not going to happen. And he said, I've got to provide another way. So he says, if you're trying to make yourselves right by God with keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. That should stress us out. That should make us sit back and pay attention. We say, well, I need to examine my life. I need to understand. If I'm trying to do this thing on my own and I'm trying to create works and get myself to heaven, I have cut myself off from Christ. Why? Because Christ didn't come that we could have do works and gain our way in. He came with grace and mercy that we might just do what? Just receive it and live in it. He also says you have fallen away from God's grace. Let me ask you something. In that scenario that Paul just went over, who did the cutting off? When he said you cut yourself off from Christ, who did the cutting off? They did. The people who he was talking to did. So he said, you can't blame this on God. God's made it available to you. It's right in front of you. But what you did, you cut yourself off. You went a different way. You turned your eyes away from Jesus. It used to be an old song of the church. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Love that song because it redirects. It brings us back into focus on what matters. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Verse 5, listen to this. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait. How do we wait? Eagerly. I look around the church and I don't see a whole lot of people who are eagerly waiting. I see some people waiting. They're waiting on lunch. And they're waiting on, they're checking the mail from the government. And they're waiting on Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright. But I don't see that many people eagerly waiting on who Jesus is. He says we've got to be eager to do what? To receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. Brothers and sisters, there is a promise that has been promised to us. The promise is righteousness. The promise is Jesus Christ. The promise is your salvation. Yes. 
And for that, with that on the horizon, I'm saved now, but I'm going there. I'm going to be there with him in his presence. We should be eager. That's where Paul writes in other books that he writes in other letters to have vigor, to have passion, to make sure that you have zeal. And so Paul uses all these kinds of words. And again, here in this scripture to say, we should be eagerly awaiting to what? To receive by faith the righteousness God has promised us. How do we receive it? By faith. It doesn't say you receive it by working real hard. It doesn't, doesn't say that you, you receive it because you checked all the boxes. It doesn't say that you receive it because you've got a church attendance pin on your lapel. It says that you receive it by how? Faith. That's how you receive that promise that has been promised to us. All of those who he says are eagerly waiting for it. I got a news flash for some of us today. He may not be promising this to people who are not eagerly waiting. So we should be passionate about our eagerness. We should be working on our eagerness. Say eagerness with me one time. We've got to be eager for the righteousness. Lord, come quickly, but in your coming, let me be eagerly waiting for who you are. We're eagerly waiting for the Holy Spirit. We're eagerly waiting for our righteousness. This promise that he has promised to us. Verse 6. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit from being circumcised or uncircumcised. That was a physical act that was tied to the Old Testament law that, that should have, have happened. And it was an Old Testament promise is what he's talking about there. For verse 7 says, what, if, what is important? He's saying, uh, uh, circumcised or uncircumcised, don't worry about that. It's not important, he says. But what is important is faith expressing itself in love. Faith. Wait a minute, is that the same faith I used to receive the promise of righteousness? Yes. And now that same faith is expressing itself. When it says expressing itself, what picture comes to mind? Action. There's got to be some action behind it. So now I'm eagerly awaiting the righteousness, this promise, this righteousness promise of God. And in the meantime, while I'm eagerly waiting, what am I doing? My feet are walking. My hands are working. My eyes are to and fro, seeking out somebody who I can serve, some way that I can use my gifting, some way that I can be passionate and bring somebody else to what? The saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So what is important, Paul says, is faith expressing itself in love. Let me ask you, how has your faith expressed itself in love this week? How has your faith expressed itself in love this week? Think about that. Skipping down to verse 13 very quickly. For you have been called to live in freedom. I love that phrasing and terminology because we look at ourselves and say, I I'm not really sure who I am. Let me tell you who you are in Christ Jesus today. You are called. You are called. You have been compelled by the Father. Jesus said no one can come to the Father unless they're called. And so if you're listening to this, if you, if you are uh, here in this room, if you're there in your home and you're here, you've been called to come and to be a part. You've been called to what? Live in freedom. That's the freedom that we were expressing, the freedom we live in, the freedom that we enjoy. But pay attention now, Paul says, don't use your freedom to satisfy the sinful nature. 
Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. We've gotten this wrong before. We said, well, we live in freedom. We can do whatever we want. Well, it's not a license to go out and do whatever you want. It's not a license to go out and fulfill the sinful nature. Where'd that sinful nature come from? You were born with it. It's just in there. It wants to do some things that it shouldn't do. Paul says, don't let this be a license for you to go out and live your lives any way you want to and satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, get this, use your freedom to serve one another in love. People who don't have Christ don't have that. Let me say that again. People who aren't living in Christ, haven't received Christ and don't know Christ, they don't have the freedom to go out and serve. You say, well, there's lots of organizations and a lot of people that go out just because it's a great thing to do and they serve. They do in action, but their heart's not in it and they're not doing it for the same reasons. They're not doing it because of the freedom that we enjoy. Verse 16, so I say, let the Holy Spirit, here we go. It's the Holy Spirit that guides your lives, Paul says. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. This is so simple, yet we get it so wrong most of the time. Paul says, if you'd let the Holy Spirit drive, how many of you got the Holy Spirit in the passenger seat? Yeah, used to be bumper stickers people put on the car says, God is my co-pilot. I don't want God in the co-pilot seat on the airplane. I want him in the pilot seat. I want him driving. Why? Because he has infinite wisdom and he makes way better decisions for me than I do. I've made the decisions for myself and left him out and ended up on my head. I want him in charge. And Paul says, just let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. If you do that, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. You won't lose the battles as often. If you let the Holy Spirit God, your life. Verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. He gives a list of things that are very clear. When you let your sinful desires lead you, he says the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, uh, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and... Other sins like it. In case you got left out of the list, in case you couldn't identify with any of those things, Paul says, I got you covered right here. Uh, and other sins like these. So if you thought you were out of the loop, if you thought, well, hey, I've checked all those boxes, no parties, I've had no drunkenness, I had no... And other sins like this. And what's the hammer that comes down? He says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. You're out. So how do we avoid that? We don't let our sinful desires lead us. We let the Holy Spirit lead us. He goes on and says, but the Holy Spirit in verse 22 produces this kind of fruit in our lives. In other words, all that last list I gave you of uh, dirty, nasty, negative stuff, that's fruit too. It's the end result. It's what the tree bears. That's also fruit. How many of you seen a banana go bad? I can't eat it after those brown starts forming on there. I don't want that. I want my banana firm. You can have that mushy stuff. You can feed that to the youngins. I want my banana firm. I want it 
nice and ripe, I'll almost take it green. So there's bad fruit. There's stuff you don't want. Some fruit goes rancid and you don't want to eat it after that. That's what that other list was. But he says in verse 22, the Holy Spirit has a different kind of fruit for you. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And this is the limitless fruit. Say that with me. Limitless fruit. That's what we're supposed to be producing. Limitless fruit. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Mm, faithfulness. Gentleness. And self-control. Most of you were with me till I got to number nine. Those other things are good. Well, self-control made the list? Yeah. He said, that's the part of the limitless fruit. This is the good bananas that you can have and that you can enjoy when? When you let the Holy Spirit lead. Here's what comes out when you let the Holy Spirit lead and then he gives this list. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. See, he was still talking to those same people that were worried about what the law said they should do. Circumcised, uncircumcised, what should I do? Should I follow this? He says, if you let the Holy Spirit lead and you enjoy these things, there is no law against any of this. You're going to be fine. You're going to be good. And he finishes up in verse 24 and says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. When's the last time we took that bad fruit and nailed it to the cross of Jesus Christ? Or are we still carrying it around? You say, it's a bad banana, but there might still be a good part on it. You better get that out of your pocket and you better nail that to the cross of Jesus Christ. This is not a fence riding moment. This is a moment where it's either bad fruit or it's good fruit. Matthew chapter 24 and 25 when Jesus is telling his disciples and those that were listening about the kingdom that was to come. He said there's going to be a time and there's going to be a separation and the goats and the sheep are going this way and that way and I'm going to separate things so fruit, fruit's going to play in. The Bible tells us that we know a tree by its what? It's fruit. We know a tree by its fruit. So what kind of fruit are you bearing? What kind of fruit is coming out in your life? You better get some good fruit and you better crucify the old fruit. Verse 25 says, since we are living by the Spirit. Now he's making an assumption. Now he's making an assumption and pointing the people he's talking to. Guess who that is? You and I. He's talking to these people and pointing them to something. And he says, since we are living by the Spirit. Now that I've told you all that, Paul said, now that I've made the list for you, I'm telling you that if, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Every part of our lives. You say, well, pastor, I didn't know I had to open up every part of my life. I thought maybe I could keep the banana with a little bit of brown on it. I thought maybe those Granny Smith apples could sit on the counter for months and months and months. No, they're eventually going to go bad and you've got to get rid of that fruit. And Paul is very clear saying, now that we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. We've got to ask ourselves today, is there a part of our lives that we are not allowing the Holy Spirit to lead? Is there? How would I know that, Pastor? What would I look for? What's the litmus test? The litmus test would be, is there a part of my life that doesn't bear good fruit? What's the good fruit, pastor? 
He just listed them for you right here in Galatians chapter 5. Love. Is there a part of your life that doesn't express love? Is there a part of your life that doesn't express joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? If we self-evaluate and we find an area of our life that does not exude that, that we don't see that kind of fruit coming from. You say, well, that's my, that's my private life. That's my thing that I do. That, that, that's, that's got nothing to do with the rest of my life. I still get up and I still sing and I still worship and I still go to my connect group and study the Bible with all of my friends. Great. You've got great fruit there. But what about this? What about this secret alabaster box area that you've got under lock and key that doesn't produce good fruit and instead of the good fruit it produces things that should not be Paul is saying if you're going to live by the spirit then you've got to follow the spirit's leading in every part of your life this is the same thing he was saying is if you're going to decide that you're going to make it to heaven and, and you're going to know God by keeping the law you got to keep a whole law but under grace and under mercy under the limitless power of the Holy Spirit he says, if you'll follow the Spirit in every area of your life, then you will produce good fruit. So who are these fruits for? They're for us. They're for us. They're available to us and they're limitless power of God that enables us to become Christ-like. You want to know what Christ looked like? There's the list. You want to know what you should look like if you're going to be a Christ follower? There's the list. You should be exuding those things in every area of your life. These fruit are the very characteristics, the very nature of God himself. You look at God through the scriptures, you will see these things come out. You say, well, I also see wrath and anger and all those things. Yes, but they were done under the aspect of love and patience and kindness and faithfulness to a generation after generation. They're the characteristics of God. These fruits are the very nature of God. And when we live by the Spirit, these fruits, these limitless fruits, are the attributes that we find ourselves showing. We show love that cherishes we show joy with intensity. There's that word again, the fervor, the eagerness that our joy should have. We have peace in the midst of chaos. How many people have you seen lately running around like chickens with their heads cut off because the world is coming to an end? We may be in that world, but we can live with the peace of the Holy Spirit in the midst of chaos. What about patience? Patience to per persevere under pressure. We show kindness that shows grace. We show goodness that looks after someone else's welfare. We show faithfulness that's consistent. See, God's faithfulness is consistent. He doesn't ever change course because of the situation we do. But he's saying if you'll let the Holy Spirit guide and the Holy Spirit lead you, you will find yourself showing faithfulness in all areas of your life that's consistent. What about gentleness? It's gentleness that's meek but not weak. Don't misunderstand gentleness in, in what Paul was trying to say. Not weak, but meek. And what about self-control? It's self-control that shows discipline and discretion. Discipline and discretion. If you don't see that characteristic, if you don't see those things in your life, it might be time to examine that fruit. Discipline and discretion. That's what the life of a limitless, spirit-filled believer looks like.
Paul lays it out so clearly that none of us should be able to miss it. But we should all be able to examine ourselves and see if we're deficient in any way. Who wants it? Who wants that limitless fruit life? We're going to pray that the Holy Spirit would take over in our lives. You see, there's only one way to get this kind of fruit. Number one, you have to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You have to know him and understand he was the Son of God and he came and gave his life for you. And you have to confess your sins and say, I don't want to do these things anymore. And you have to understand your need for a Savior. And then, once that's occurred and once he's come in and, and made you new, he deposits this Holy Spirit in your life and you begin this process of becoming more like Christ. Heavenly Father, we praise you today for your word, for Paul, for these folks in Galatia who ask potentially the question that we wouldn't ask. Do we need to do these things? Or do we need to do these things? Maybe we need to go back God, this morning we declare we're not going back. We're not going back to any form of normalcy that may or may not have been prior to this year. What we're doing today, God, is we are declaring who you are. We're declaring that you are the God in the heavens, the Lord most high, the creator of all things. And we're asking that you would help us to examine our own lives. We're not going to look at our brothers and our sisters and try to examine what they've got going on. We're going to look at our own lives. And we're asking you, God, to help us see where our fruit's gone bad. Lord, in this moment, I pray that if there's someone who doesn't know you, hasn't received you, hasn't repented of, the, of their sins, God, at this moment, you're calling them. They, they may, in fact, be someone who's called, and they didn't know that until this moment, but they feel, yes, the Holy Spirit urging them and calling them into change. I pray for them right now, Father God, that you would complete that work in them. I know you will because your word says you're faithful to complete the work that you came to do. And so as they simply say they're sorry and repent of the things in their life that don't please you and ask you to come and be their Lord, I, I know that you'll do that. I, I pray for that brother or sister, that boy or girl who might be praying that at this very moment, who may be weeping there in their home or, or wherever they are and, and, and they don't know what to pray God, help them to just simply pray, Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. And, and now, God, for those of us who, who may have found an area in our life on, exa on examination of ourselves that our fruit is bad. And God, please help us to see that. Please help us to see that area of our life where we haven't been allowing the Holy Spirit to lead God, for those people who might be listening to this today, shine your light on that in a big and powerful way. 
Because Lord, I, I can't speak for everybody here, but I can speak for me. And I want to let the Holy Spirit lead in every area of my life, as Paul urges, in every area of my life. And so we're even now in this moment, Father God, we allow you to expose the thing in our life, the area in our life, the, the thing that we've been keeping the bad fruit on the shelf area of our life. And we turn it over to you. We ask for forgiveness for that. God, forgive us for having that under lock and key. For, forgive us right now, Father God, for thinking that we could continue to go down this path and keep that area excluded from you. I feel that very heavily right now. Because I think a lot of us fall into that category. The outward world sees us as a spiritual Christ follower, but we know we know what's been locked up and what we've kept from you. And so I declare as, the, as, as a pastor in this church that this congregation will, will see itself for what it is and that we will no longer keep things locked away, but that we will allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. Lead us in every area of our life. You say, what is that going to do to me, Pastor? Well, it's going to make you different than you were before. You see, your fruit's going to change and you, all of a sudden you're going to love people that you didn't know you could love. You're going to feel a peace that you didn't know you could feel. You're going to have a gentleness and a patience about you that you didn't ever have before. You're going to experience the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to be faithful from now on and control yourself and your lustful, sinful desires. They're no longer going to win the battle, but through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you're going to win, and He's going to get all the glory. And so in this moment, God, in these closing moments, we thank you for victory. We thank you that you have won every battle that we can depend on you. As long as we're not following our own sinful desires and we're following and allowing you to lead, we win. And we praise you for that today. We praise you that we can be victorious. We, we praise you that in heavenly places, we're already there. We already stand boldly and confidently at your throne of grace. So God, thank you for forgiving us of our sins. Thank you for bringing us to this point of renewal. And I pray just that, a baptism of renewal on each of us today to worship you in Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For more information about Connections Church,